welcome to episode 13 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Uh, thank you for all the support, the kind messages. I really appreciate every single one that I get. Uh, you can follow on Instagram at Coffee Pods and Wads and tag us in your stories or posts or whatever if you're listening. Um, help spread the word even more. We're also on patreon.com forward slash Coffee Pods and Wads. If you want to become a patient of the show or if you just want to make a one-off gift towards the show as a kind soul and Galway did this week in return for a couple of patches, um, you can drop me a DM if you want patches or badges or anything like that. Um, this week, uh, the episode is sponsored by Wade. Uh, Adam and the lads at Wade have been great. They sent me a bag uh, of protein to try with zero pressure of commitment or anything like that in return, which just, I suppose, shows the confidence that they have in what they're making, um, and rightfully so. It's really tasty. Um, I got the chocolate. It smells like cocoa powder and it tastes like the chocolate that you get in um, like a Yoplait chocolate yogurt, like that kind of taste. Um, another few positives from them. Uh, it's quite a list, actually. They've So they offset their carbon emissions from production. They provide a glass of milk to impoverished school kids for every sachet that they sell. Um, they use family uh, family-run farms to source uh, all their milk um and they have a roster of homegrown talent on the books as well that they support so they work with emma mcquade mickey smith pd savage good few others as well um as well as all those bits and bonuses behind the brand i suppose probably its most unique selling point is the gentleness on your stomach so they take out 99 percent of the lactose during production so that it's easier for your stomach and like your digestive system to handle it um so if you're in the market they've kind of given us a discount code um, none of this 10% stuff uh, 25% off your order so at checkout if you use coffee pods that's C-O-F-F-E-E-P-O-D-S all capitals um, on checkout you'll get a quarter of the price of your basket taken off um, I don't get anything from that either so that's just them being sound giving you that discount um, this week's episode uh, is Arm and Hammer uh, we recorded this a couple of weeks ago and we had a great laugh doing it um, he talks about where he got his name cases of mistaken identities uh running his podcast and sponsorship by wade protein uh interviewing greg glassman uh commenting on his mates and fangirling he's a really nice guy a great laugh uh, i really enjoyed recording this it was over skype so i spent i'd say about an hour and a half today taking out the lag silence so that it's a nicer episode for you to listen to um enjoy the episode like tag subscribe share review by wade protein um have a great week uh, we'll be back next week with the Irish female uh, champion and games athlete and laser-focused dynamo, Emma McQuaid. Um, thanks again to Wade for coming on board for this episode. Use Coffee Pods, all caps, on checkout for 25% off your order. Enjoy the episode and have a great week. So first of all, thanks for doing it. I really appreciate it. It's uh, I'm, I'm surprised at peace, people's generosity with their time, but like, you know, I know people like you are especially busy like so it's it's a privilege to chat to someone especially someone that does so much in the field that i'm aiming to get myself into so thanks a million it's it's my pleasure uh, i'm happy to take time away from petting my dogs and <laughs> to talk to you <laughs> um so first question i want to ask you your name is that god given or is it a pun because it's too good to be true it is too good to be true, and it is not true. So yeah. my actual my actual name is Amirian. That's the last name. Uh, but and where where did that I, come from? Yeah. So when I uh, first started crossfitting, I was not an imposing figure. I was I, I, let's put it that way. I was not an imposing figure, and so uh, I was fresh out of or I was in the middle of college, maybe my second year of college, 
and I was going to multiple gyms. One of the gyms I was going to, um, I don't know, do you know who John Wellborn is? Uh, CrossFit football. He's like an old school part of like CrossFit back in the 2000, late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, but anyway, so I was going to his gym for a little while. And he had a coach who every time she would see me, I kind of, as a joke, as I would walk into the gym, would yell out from the other side of the gym, hammer! Like, I was like, all right, someone just gave me a nickname. I guess we'll just use this from now on. And uh, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that it wasn't something way worse. Like, if I got, if I got well-known with the name, you know, any worse than this, it probably would have been really embarrassing. But Arm & Hammer sounds pretty cool. So you know I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And, and deodorant. <laughs> And baking soda, and a very famous actor. So, I mean, what yeah. what more could I ask for? <laughs> Do you ever get mistaken for Army Hammer? I have had people. Yes, I have actually, and and not just by people on the internet. Okay, so someone wrote an article about. Okay, so here's what it was. Someone wrote an article about when CrossFit shut down their Instagrams. Like some, yeah. some media publication wrote an article about CrossFit shutting down its Instagram. And they cited me as one of the first people that noticed it and started talking about it. But they didn't do any research past just looking at the name. And the name isn't even the same. His yeah. name is Army. Yeah. So it's not even not even quite the same. So they didn't look, do any research. They just saw that it said Arm & Hammer TV posted about this. So they, they credited me as Army Hammer or Arm & Hammer who between – uh, you know, celebrity superstar movies apparently yeah. follows CrossFit very. So just just after like, he finished, just after no. he finished film, filming the man from Uncle, he copped that CrossFit had stopped their Instagram. That's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I just I'm so I'm I have so much time between all of these you know yeah. Oscar worthy performances. I guess. <laughs> um. So. Like usually when someone comes on, I ask them, I suppose when we start first, we'll, we'll chat a bit about coffee. So do you drink much coffee? I just finished my, my second cup of coffee of the day. And do you, is it, so, is it like a drip or what, what do you take? Um, it depends today. Uh, I, we just got an espresso. Uh, my wife really likes lattes. Uh, and so she wanted an espresso. We got one for Christmas. And so uh, she's really been a fan of that. Maybe it was for her birthday. That's close enough. But um, we've been using that a lot recently. Um, so that was just a couple of, of Nespresso pods. Usually when, it, when it's wintertime, I like French press, personally. I just like the process. Yeah, um, it is satisfying to do it. Just the, the it, it kind of like, it, the process itself wakes me up. Yeah. Boil weight, time it, measure it out. It's just, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, is there many, you live in Austin, is it? Or outside Austin? I do. Yeah, Austin, Texas. And is coffee, is there a big coffee scene there? Like, is there lots of hipsters knocking around with <laughs> aprons on and stuff? Yeah, it's like you've been here. It's a, it's a bunch of people with, the, you know, denim aprons and really tight fades yeah. uh, and the lines in their hair uh yeah no it does it does have a very good coffee scene uh i have a couple of local coffee shops that i really love going to um some of them are i enjoy it because they have great pastries mm. some of them i enjoy it because the vibe is good uh one thing about austin that's really nice is that the weather tends to be pretty good most of the time it gets a little bit wet during the rainy season it gets a little bit hot during the summer mm. but generally speaking it's really nice so 
you know, usually most coffee shops will have great outdoor seating, oh, yeah. um, really good patios. So my wife and I do really enjoy going to, to, you know, visit a couple of these different coffee shops here and there. Yeah. Cause I, I was, I've only been to America once so far. Um, we went to Madison last year and we kind of, we landed in, oh, I always get this wrong. We landed, landed in funny accent, Minnesota. And we drove there you down. Go. <laughs> and we drove. To, I'm, it's, a, it's either Minneapolis or Minnesota. And then I remember uh, Fargo and I remember the accent and I remember that it's Minnesota. Um, so we drove down uh, and we stopped in oh, La Crosse, just some town, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere. But that's what I noticed that like all the coffee shops have these ridiculous like decks outside and like massive seating areas and like, you know, okay you have to weed through a few shitholes where it's like you know just generic brand coffee or whatever and you know they just push a button or whatever but if you find a nice one they're usually gold like and they've got really nice outside base just because you got the weather for it i suppose well most of the time yeah anyway. um so uh one that seems a question that seems to spark interest with people when they come on is like what's the best coffee you've ever had so like most people kind of start off thinking like okay well what's really nice coffee and then in general when they answer the question now what started happening is i probably feed them into this channel of answering the question this way because it's what ends up happening so maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but uh most people start thinking about like oh who was there and where was i and did something just happen and you know that kind of way yeah so i would say the best cup of coffee i've ever had uh just in terms of the the coffee itself is uh there's this place in santa monica california called the funnel mill which siphon filters all their coffee so every cup of coffee is made you know one cup at a time using a siphon filter and it's uh again i really love watching these types of processes i don't don't have a siphon filter at home but it's really interesting to see it happen you know they bring out the beaker they boil the water they put the stem in there and it kind of like comes up the stem Mm. and it filters back down it's really interesting it's like breaking Um, down it's yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh let's cook so you know they're they're it's very interesting coffee it's expensive coffee it they had the what's the coffee kopi luwak is that what it's called they had that coffee there um which is the coffee that like the cat the jungle cat oh eats. yeah they had that and it's like it was like almost 25 26 dollars for a cup so that's like not the, cat, the drunk cat eats the coffee beans shits it out and then you use the shit to make the coffee isn't it that's right you you take the coffee beans from its shit and you like clean it off and roast that and use that to make it's the just coffee like in. it's just like <laughs> yeah that's fine exactly. <laughs> just wipe it on the wipe it on the jacket real quick you're good to go yeah. uh but no there's this really delicious uh like costa rican median roast that i really enjoyed there i think i found it once more after that um and was able to buy a bag at that time but uh, yeah, I, I ever since then I've I've really enjoyed seeing siphon filters. But to answer your question the other way, mm. um, I I make coffee with and for my wife almost every day. I really enjoy getting a chance to like sit down and like have coffee with her. Yeah. Or um, you know, I, I'm Armenian, so in Armenian culture, uh, coffee is like a a really social thing, you know, it's, it basically is like a Turkish coffee is what you're making, yeah. but, um, you know, making a Turkish coffee like with and for my mom has always been really nice. Like those are the experiences that, that kind of stand out. But I mean, when is coffee bad? Really? 
Well, you I think is, the, is you like can get some, I, you can get some pretty shitty coffees. <laughs> I feel like in the situations where you're cornered and you have to have really shit coffee, like burnt and awful. You know, if you're if you're just stuck getting, uh, do you guys have a uh, uh, what's the call? What's it called tea, coffee bean tea leaf? I think is what the there's like a coffee bean. Have you heard of coffee bean? It's like a a chain out here. It's like a shittier version of Starbucks. Oh no! So like the, you know, if you're stuck having like coffee bean coffee, you, there there are ways to make it better. I feel like maybe you just make it really sweet, or you have a donut or something with it, and yeah. then you're basically having ice cream. You're not even having coffee at that point. Yeah, just, or just gouge your eyes out or something, and it'll distract you from the taste. <laughs> um usually so like usually when people come on one of the questions i might ask them is like oh if you were to start a podcast what would you start a podcast on i feel like with you it's like so you've started tons of podcasts so you've got like wadcast podcast you've got sam podcast arm and hammer tv like there's other ones that have been i suppose absorbed into those as well so like i suppose first where do you find the time to do it where do you find your like what makes you say you know okay no i won't use that podcast to talk about this i'm gonna start up a whole new one to start up to start talking about this and do you find it difficult to i suppose marry your audiences or do you just accept that some people will follow and some people won't follow from one to the other yeah that's uh those are very good questions um so I'll I'll try and answer that in reverse. I think, y- yeah, you kind of have to accept that some people will like it, uh, the content from one type of show, and mm-hmm. not like the content from another type of show. Um, my brother tells me this all the time. You know, whether it was he, he he's like whether it was lucky or not, you you named your channel Arm and Hammer TV and not something like Arm and Loves CrossFit, right? <laughs> yeah, true. so. It's it is very much me like the 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 channel everything I do like the the podcast the um, the much editorialized through my brain and so it is absolutely a reflection of the things that I'm interested in and I am very interested in CrossFit but I'm also very interested in many other things mm. so I think people maybe aren't used to seeing that happen i guess in a way that would kind of make my channel a bit more of like a variety channel but it's just it's mostly crossfit so it's mostly crossfitters that are watching and what i like to think is is the content that i make that isn't crossfit specific like for example the sand podcast like scale is needed is of is crossfitters talking about other things they like so crossfit fitness comes up but most of the time we're talking about pop culture or movies or TV shows or something like that. Um, so I, I like to think that the people who are almost like bought in through the CrossFit content are exposed to this wider world of other content and other stuff that we like to talk about. Um, for example, Chase and I do a music review podcast. It's like maybe once every two or three weeks and we pick a good uh, project that either we're both passionate about us is very passionate about and we go from there so there's a bunch of different types of things that we do and not all of them get a lot of people listening or watching which is fine it doesn't have to nothing not everything has to be you know home run um in terms of deciding what goes where some of it is pretty clearly delineated 
like that music podcast is is going to be about music. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be Chase and I talking about you know whatever album that we happen to be um, looking at or reviewing that that time that episode. Um, the scale is needed. Scale is much more broad. I mean, we'll talk about anything that's going on and most of the time there's no rhyme or reason to what the topics are we just kind of have a conversation for an hour and a half and that that gets distilled into the podcast Mm. um but the rest of my content is like relatively planned out i mean there's there's a bunch of um at least preparation that has to go into being able to talk about something for an hour so there's that uh and then in terms of finding time you know, if I'm fortunate or not about this, but this is my my job. This is kind of what I get to do. Um, and what I mean by I don't know if I'm fortunate about it is I I was I lost my job almost two years ago, which is what put me in a position to not have a real job mm. and allowed me to to really focus on my my own content because before that I was working for uh, flow sports. I was working for flow elite, which is doing a bunch of like live streaming. And so I was the editor, the senior editor for flow elite. So I was making content, but the content I was creating wasn't my own. I wasn't, Mm. I didn't own the content. And so, you know, it had to serve their, you know, specific needs. It had to be angled towards their, you know, their business model, which is fine, I guess. I mean, I learned a lot. I really loved the environment in terms of learning how to get better at what I do. But uh, yeah, I like to say that I don't have a job, but I have plenty of work. (laughs) So that's, that's really, that's how I find my time. Um, I have have both. I have a job and I have work. Yeah, see that I'm I guess I am lucky. I'm lucky that I I don't have a job. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm very yeah. lucky that I get to talk this and people listen, but uh you know, it's not the most comfortable um yeah. and and sort of like, you know, I'm not swimming in cash is what I'm trying to say. Do you have any sponsors <laughs> for your podcasts? No, that's another thing that I'm really awful at. Um so I have I know, hate I can't I can't ask like for so so if i if like someone might like i got in a message there last week and it was like oh like we should you know work together in some kind of way and i replied i saw that they had like forty thousand followers or something so i replied and i was like i'm trying to work out if this is a genuine message or from a bot and they replied and said no no it is genuine and i was like all right okay and then they said so how would you like to work together and i was like the I don't know. How do you want to work together? And then they were just like, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. I haven't heard from them since. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with that part of what I do. Not that I have an issue about asking for specific things. For example, when I, when I'm traveling for events, you know, the reality of it is I I can't just pay out of my pocket to be all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, so events most of the time are really helpful, right? They're they're very uh, accommodating. Either they'll help cover part of my travel or all of my travel, or they'll give me an opportunity to you know sell T-shirts or something so that I can make a little bit of money or pay for the travel. So I have good relationships with the events. I have good relationships with you know the companies that tend to be the sponsors for a lot of other content creators. I am of the inclination that I need to be able to offer a very tangible thing for people uh, before I I charge them for something. And so 
what I I like to do is um, I don't really like to ask for things. And I don't mean that in like, um, like I'm shy about asking for things. I mean that in the literal sense of I look at this as kind of a continuum of giving versus asking. Mm. And that is the, that's the dynamic of the relationship, whether I'm talking to my audience, whether I'm talking to a potential sponsor, whether I'm talking to, you know, an athlete whose time I'm looking for, there's, Mm. there's this continuum of giving versus asking. And so I, I think and I'm making a real big bet here with my time and my effort that if I can keep giving, if I can just keep providing, that it's going to come back for, from when I ask, I'll actually get a return on that. And so yeah. that's really kind of the mindset, right? The mindset is if I can just keep giving, if I can keep providing content, giving people what they're looking for, whether they know they're looking for it or not, when I do ask for something, I get I get a lot in return. And so far that's been... playing out really well you know every time i've been able to have um like a t-shirt sales or or you know merchandising sales or whatever they tend to do uh pretty well well enough that i i'm able to like pay for the next month's worth of content with it Mm -hmm. um so that's been really good you know with events it's the same thing I, i i know what i can provide them i can show them really clearly what i'm providing for them and so when i ask them for something they know what they're getting in in return for for what they're giving me the the issue the reason why I don't do a lot of sponsorships is because I I very rarely see the return in those things. So when I was in the position where I was the one handling sponsorships, like not not getting sponsorships, but actually doing those deals, I never really saw the return. And so for me, in order to ask someone for you know hey do you want to sponsor the show for i'll I'll read your advertisement and i'll have your products like Mm -hmm. you know i have to like really love the product because i'm i'm endorsing it personally it's not just kind of like an ad that you see on a website um and secondarily i have to be really confident that i'm actually providing something for that company yeah and so um i had a like there's a really good company that I mean like the guy that owns it is like he seems like a really genuine guy. I don't I haven't met him yet, but I do plan on meeting him like but he was like, Oh, um I was messaging about something else about like maybe getting some gear done up to you know to sell or whatever, like just for advertising and stuff. And he was like, oh, have you thought about doing video podcasts? Because if you did video podcasts, we could give you some, t- like for yourself, like we could give you some gear. And if you're wearing it in the video, then that's exposure and, you know, it works out. And I was kind of like, in my head, I was like, just take it. Just say, yeah, I'll do it. Because <laughs> I was like, it's, it's like, it's free gear. Um, but I like, you know, your moral step in, your ethics. And I was kind of like, yeah, look, I don't really know if that's something I'm looking at doing. And I don't want to commit if I might not do it. And I was like, you know, I could probably guarantee you like a post a week if i take a picture with the interviewee or whatever but like i was like again i might forget to wear that t-shirt like you know i'm not you know you can't it's difficult i suppose as well especially i suppose if you're in that kind of more corporate setting where you're being told what to do and stuff i suppose you kind of see that side of it that maybe other people don't always have those morals or ethics and i suppose you kind of maybe it well at leader maybe uh lower your own ethical standards or else it'll strengthen your own ethical standards where you're like well i'm not going to be like that if i'm in that position like so i think it's it's admirable that you're uh picky with who you take on because you might not give them what they need as well as like you know there are people out there that'll just be like yeah how much you know yeah 
Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I will, uh, I'll give myself a little pat on the back for yeah. you know, the, the moral stand here, but you know, until it succeeds, until it works, uh, the other side of it is, is, you know, the, there's a reason why people do that. People do it because they can actually, you know, more comfortably pay the bills. Yeah. They you know, if the they're little, able to right? trip Bali or whatever. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so with regards to interviews then, like what's, I suppose to start with a tricky one. What's the most difficult interview you've ever had to do? Like, is there one where you sat down thinking, okay, yeah, this is good. And then halfway through, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is chronic. Or even just um, tough. Like, have you ever offended someone, you know, or have you ever asked a question where you're like, oh, and then watch a tank for the rest of the interview? You know, I, I, let's see. I'm trying to think. I don't know how many people I've interviewed. Um, I don't, I, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. So for sure, I have had some really shit interviews. Yeah. Most of the time, it's people who, they're not comfortable, like either they're not comfortable with a microphone, they're not comfortable being recorded. And so, you know, before we record, they're very loose, they're yeah. happy, they're having a good time, they're joking around. Then we hit the re- record button and they're it just up. very quiet. Yes, no, I don't, I don't want to answer that. So far, I'm not asking for some names. And it's like, and it's like, well, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even remember. I don't remember. And it's like, it's like, man, fuck, we were just having such a great time. Yeah. Like, just, just, I should have, I should have been recording without telling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at that point, you start thinking that. And, and then, then you, you don't want to offend the meter by saying, like, can you just go back to what you were like five minutes yeah. Well, that's it's what the crazy thing is because they're not comfortable with it, and and then you you know you stop recording, and they're like right back to yeah. being cool and having oh like that was so much fun, thank you so much. It's like yeah, fucking thanks, <laughs> really really appreciate your time there. Um, so there were a couple tough interviews there, but that's one thing that I've gotten a lot better at over over the years is making um, making those uncomfortable and awkward situations more comfortable. You know, yeah. being able to loosen people up and. I think part of it is also setting people's expectation, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this stuff. It's super easy. If it sucks, I'll never post it. Don't worry yeah. about it. And usually people relax after that. But in terms of really tough interviews, um, did, I had you, tough, did I see you yeah. sit down with Greg Glassman before? Yeah, that, that comes to mind. Uh, Greg Glassman is a very challenging interview for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because he just usually is going to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. Yeah. And so most of the time, no one's really able to corner him to get him to answer any of their questions. Yeah. I've been really lucky. The relationship that I've built with Greg Glassman, I, th- I think there's, there's, you know, mutual respect in there. Um, based off of what we've, what, the conversations we've had both on and off the record, things that we've talked about, you know, uh, it, it seems like we're kind of on the same page with many different things. And yet we disagree on a lot of things too. And one of the things that I also try to pay attention to is kind of the psychology of the person that I'm speaking with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, if you just agree with them, they will open up and they'll just say everything, right? And sometimes yeah. if you agree with them, they write you off as yeah, an ass you're a yes man, yeah. Exactly. And so I think Greg Glass is 
one of the latter, right? If, if you agree with him, it's not like he writes you off, but, you know, he values people bringing up, um, he values people bringing up challenging topics. You know, he wants to be pushed in, in certain spaces. Mm. And so when, when I sit down and have an interview with Greg Glassman and I push him in certain spaces and I ask him tougher questions about certain things and kind of when he answers, I push back on it and kind of respond. He, he responds to that in a different way. And that's like a very, that's a difficult, that's a really fine line to walk. Right. You know, cause yeah, it can might go, really piss him off. Like with exactly. One Exactly. It can go really poorly. Um, so I'd say he's probably the most challenging interview uh, I've had because of that. But um, I'm sure there's probably some more that I'm not even thinking of. But Greg Glassman is definitely one that comes to mind as like a challenging interview. Well, I actually have a quote here from Greg. No, am I joking? <laughs> <laughs> um, who's been your favorite interview to date then? Um, this one, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the top of the list. Uh, and then this is also second and third, so you have the entire podium. That's that's really huge. This is this uh, is first, second, and third in interviews currently occurring. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. That's very true. I'll pause the other interview. Hold on, uh, my uh, no. my uh, my wife's dad actually. That always reminds me of that my wife's dad had. Uh, they used to say like to him, there was like uh, four kids, and they used to say, "Oh, who's your favorite?" And he'd always say, like, well, you're number one in the zero to two bracket. And you're number one. In, I thought that was really, like, the most political answer. So, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm top of your list of interviews currently being recorded. Yeah, there's a, there's a running joke in my family. My parents are, are, you know, they would never actually say this, but my brothers, I have two older brothers. My brothers and I always come up with this. You know, we always point at one of the other two as being the favorite you know, or if the question comes up, oh, who's mom's favorite? And it's like, well, you know, she really loves two of us. And we all know who the third one is. And it's... <laughs> uh, who was my favorite interview? You know, recently I've, I've been really lucky um, and fortunate to be able to sit down with uh, Matt and Tia. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That was one of the best interviews I've had in a really long time um, because they were really genuine. Like they had a great time with one another. We spent maybe an hour and a half before we even recorded loosening up, just kind of shooting the shit and talking about whatever. Um, and that so that when we did sit down and start talking, it was like pretty pretty relaxed and comfortable with all, and then with Matt stiffened up and wouldn't say anything <laughs> yeah, then, yeah exactly and then Matt was just like we're not talking about anything today no uh it was it was good it, it, was, it was that was a cool interview that was a lot of fun um the Greg Glassman interviews as challenging as they are are always um there's a feeling of sort of success at that point because of his position his role in the space yeah. and because of my history with crop it's it just is kind of like a pinch yourself moment um when i find myself sitting across from from greg glassman and there's been a couple others like back in the wadcast days we had so many great episodes you know i i just loved 
uh, you know, there's some really awesome episodes we had when Kenny Kane was coming on as as our uh, as like a guest host uh, after he had left. He'd like come back every now and then. Um, you know, he was so so funny to talk to. He had all these really interesting stories. Um, we had we had just had so many cool guests on over the years, like Ronnie Teasdale. Now he's raw of earth. Mm-hmm. He's really really fascinating guy on Instagram. If you don't follow him, he's like all about sunning his butthole and drinking his urine and like, you know, creating orgasms with his mind. It's amazing. It's so yeah. amazing. And it's like, it's, it's just so different than the person that we knew, you yeah. know, 10, 12. It's just, it, there's so much, there's so many happy memories and really interesting interviewees that like, you know, you have like a one moment that sticks out, you know, even, yeah. So even negative interactions sometimes stick out as like part of like my favorite interviews. Like for example, we had an interview once. Uh, this was back when. So this must have been maybe 2014. I was still in Los Angeles. Uh, we were interviewing someone, uh, Jen Wiederstrom, who was on The Biggest Loser. So she was one of the trainers on The Biggest Loser, and she was a friend of ours. We'd known her for a long time, and my my fellow host on the wadcast eddie ift has a really big problem with uh the biggest loser yeah a lot of people do (laughs) right because for and for good reason the biggest loser it's it's like it's just not a really healthy or good Mm. it's just not good anyway so he felt like she was being a little defensive and he's a professional comedian so to him the funniest thing he possibly could do is to just rip that defensive part of her apart mm. as much as he can. And so he and she went at it so aggr- – it was so awkward. They were literally arguing with one another, just yelling at each other while we're recording this podcast. <laughs> and afterwards, it was so awkward. And I think it took them years before they even got back onto like speaking terms again. I don't even know. But like it just was such a ridiculous moment. And there's it's like this really strange conflict, and yet it stands out as one of the the sort of like not favorite, but most most memorable moments from from you know doing all these interviews. It's like one of those ones where like you'll just be sitting on the toilet someday and you'll think of it and you're like oh god remember that yeah yeah it's like oh man do you remember when eddie called her a bitch to her face (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty fucked up yeah it was really funny i was i was going back through your instagram there today to get like uh screenshots and stuff to put up on the story to tell people you were coming on Uh and uh I saw the Hunter and Brent Bukowski and I'd forgotten about that. That was fucking awkward as well. Like That was, was good. Oh, it was just like, you know, Fukowski's face, like I met him once. I did that at the thing at the games last year. There was like a Reebok training thing. It was after he got cut. And like he's so funny and like so he's so he's such a cool guy. Like, but his face when Hunter says, just shut the fuck up and work harder, and he just he doesn't react like he doesn't say anything, but the way he just looks down to the side and he raises one eyebrow, and you can just tell he's thinking, I'd rip your fucking head off, your simpson. <laughs> I love that silent awkwardness. And you like it's only because you had the video, because if you had no video there, you wouldn't cop that he had said or like that. Brent's face was a bit like, what the fuck? Like, he just kind of raised his eyebrow, like, this guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, that was that was also a really good one because of, uh, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of serendipity involved in that 
interview going as well as it did because it was Brent's idea. Oh, he texted me and he was like, Hey man, uh, I'd love to talk to Hunter. I know, you know him. Why don't you set up a thing with all three of us and we could all three of us talk and I could talk to him and you could ask us questions and he could talk, talk shit back. And I was like, okay. I mean, he's going to come at you really hard. And he's like, that's fine. I'll be all right. I was like, I know you'll be fine. I just want to warn you, like, this is how he views this. Like, he's not going to just walk in and, Mm. you know, lay on his back. And uh, that went really, really well. That quote from Hunter, just do your fucking job. (laughs) It's it's so good. Uh, There's another video where Brent says, like, you know, yeah, I watched the CrossFit Games as well. And I really, I really wanted to be there. So I just squatted more and worked really hard. And it took me three years to get there. And like... (laughs) (laughs) Where's the hundred? He just stays totally stoic. He doesn't even smirk or anything. He just stays like statuesque, doesn't move at all. Like, you know, so that it's just it's just really entertaining to watch. Like Yeah, they they both they both have great they both have great shit talking. Yeah. And there was there was just that that video never really that interview never really turned into them talking shit to each other as much as it was these really subtle jabs yeah, back and forth. Snipes, like, yeah. Yeah, and that made it, I feel, so much better. If it was yeah. just them, like, yelling at each other, like some MMA fight or something, it would yeah. be disingenuous. But they, they they had these really subtle jabs back and forth, and it, it just worked out so well. Yeah, it was funny to watch. Um, I had Tim on, uh, Tim Posen on the other day, um, and he opened up, he was chatting about like his, you know, the, the rope workout from last year and getting cut. And it's the first time I've really heard him talk. He kind of, he, well, he was over here for filthy and he was in our gym. He did like a, a seminar and he kind of, I asked him a bit about it. Like, and he was, he opened up a little bit. So then I knew he'd be okay to talk about it, but like, he really like was very honest about it. And it was kind of like, I knew what happened. Like I was there, I saw it and I relived it and I knew what happened. But even when he was telling me, I was like in my head going, oh, fuck, what happened next? Like, you know, like you're <laughs> you get so you got, I got reinvested in it. So yeah. like you have a kind of weird mix of like you do the sport. You're a big fan of the sport. You're a big fan of the individuals involved in the sport. But you also like know a lot of the people involved and you're friends with a lot of the people involved. Plus, you've got like a unique level of access of like you're basically courtside for a lot of the stuff that happens, a lot of the events and a lot of the workouts and stuff. You'd be right there, you know, like maybe 15 feet away from them. Like, obviously, there's the like you get to live the elation with some people. Like if you're like, oh, that's my friend. And look, he's like, look at the everyone's laughing from brilliant. But like those tough moments, like especially when you kind of might half another person or fully know someone like do you find it difficult to separate that from just spectating or commentating on something or, you know? Um, yeah, you know, I, I really value the relationships that I've built, uh, with the athletes and the coaches involved in this space. And sometimes because of my role as a, as like a media personality, I guess, or commentator, I have to address and talk about things that are not necessarily the best, but that just, they don't put my friends in, in the mm. best light or they're not positive or it's very awkward or uncomfortable. And, um, those are unfortunate moments. I think 
at the end of the day, so one of the things that I used to do a lot when I was younger was I would be, I was much more interested in satirizing CrossFit, sort of mm-hmm. poking fun at it because I loved it so much. I was, I was, I mean, I've always been, you know, head over heels with CrossFit, just all the way in. And so I was very, uh, I was very like, I, I, would, I would parody what CrossFit was mm-hmm. doing. So I would be very critical, but it would be sort of wrapped in this parody and the satire. And in the middle of all that, I, w- I think sometimes I crossed the line. I was a little bit rude in how I would criticize people. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the past few years, especially, um, you know, with sort of where I'm at is I th- people value sincerity in, um, in a really, really meaningful way. They value integrity and they value sincerity. And so when I am put in a position to talk about my friends, um, people who I've spent a lot of time with and, you know, who I, I find personal joy when they succeed and I, I feel, you know, disappointed when they fail, uh, I think the audience and, and the coaches and athletes and whoever it is that might be sort of like the, the brunt of that. They can they can feel it. They understand where mm-hmm. I'm coming from. They understand it because I'm being sincere about you know what does this mean? You know, like if for example, um, you know, if a friend of mine gets uh, like tests positive for steroids or something, uh, it's really awkward. But it's it's part of my job to talk to it'd them be, about that. It'd be disingenuous you know? as well. I mean, if you if you're vocal in your criticism of someone that you don't know for something, and then someone that you do know, you can't just be like, "Well, I'm not going to talk about that," or you know, like exactly. media silence exactly. on it, like you know. And and I think I think the audience, the the consumer, like the the CrossFit spectator and fan, they're smart enough to to smell bullshit. You know, they can, they can tell, they can tell if someone's faking it. They can tell if someone's trying to be shifty, you know, intuition is usually really good with that sort of thing. And so, you know, when, when I am putting myself out there and talking about a a scenario or situation or something that's going on, that is, you know, like a friend of mine, someone I consider like a a friend um, in the sport, I think people will understand where I'm coming from. And sometimes, I mean, that's not everybody. Sometimes people are are just very quick to say, oh, you're you're being easier on this person because of X, Y, or Z, or you're being uh you're being a shill. I guess they're looking for the like yeah. they obviously have an issue anyway and they're looking for something to you know to hang you with like you know that's like exactly. oh, typical yeah. Yeah I haven't had uh I haven't had any negativity. Now this is this I've only released 10 episodes so I know it's coming down the track. <laughs> so like, I remember there's a an Irish podcast. Um, oh, like it's so fucking. Hard. Every time I try to explain it to someone who won't know him, I sound like such a fucking idiot. But he's <laughs> he's a uh, blind boy is his name, right? And he's uh, he's in a band called the Rubber Bandits. And I'll explain it, Joe. You know I'll actually explain it as fucking weirdly as I can, and then see what sense he can make out of it. So he's in a band called the rubber bandits and they wear plastic bags like shopping bags over their head with like a mouth and eyeballs cut out um they had a number one hit with horse outside <laughs> and they uh they did like they've done loads of documentaries like 
kind of satire documentaries, social commentaries about like say the like nineteen sixteen rising in Ireland and like you know sex and like education and all like real like kind of tongue in cheek, but they're really fucking intelligent guys. But um, yeah, he does a podcast and it's like it is really good. He does a lot about like psychology and stuff like that. And I think the second I started this, the second I came up with this, something resonated with me that he had said in one of his first episodes about like, you know, if someone compliments you on something, you have to like imagine you're walking down a river and a dog, a golden retriever is coming towards you and he's wagging his tail. And that's the compliment coming up to you. And like, yeah, you let the dog jump up on you and you might pet him on the head, but then you send him on his way because if you keep petting him, he's going to follow you home. Like, and then you're stuck with a dog. So he was like, <laughs> he was like, if someone compliments you and I never thought about, it. I was just like, oh, if someone compliments you, great. Like, but I never actually thought of the damaging effect it could have. And he was like, you know, if, if you pet that dog, you're stuck with it. Like, and he was like further on down that canal or down that river, you might have some like a gang of youths, like fucking stones over lumps of shit across the river, actually trying to hit them with them. And that's the criticism. So he was like, you know, if you bring that dog home with you, now you're bringing that gang of youths home with you and they're throwing rocks and shit at you as well like so i just thought it was a really good way to explain that like yeah if something good happens like if someone gives you a compliment you have to say like oh thanks a million but don't hold on to it like because next week that person could turn around and be like but i didn't like the way you did this now that that was shit you know so i just think i i haven't had any negativity yet i know it's going to come at some stage because there's always one but like the positivity is brilliant and i love it but you kind of find yourself taking it with a pinch of salt where you're like, that's amazing. Thanks for reaching out. Love the feedback. And then you immediately forget that you heard. So like I might say to my wife in the evening, like, oh, I got like, you know, 10 really nice messages today. Like, you know, it's great. People are listening and they're liking it. But I, like, I won't be like, and this person said this and this person said this. Because like, <laughs> it's so dangerous. Like, you know, that inflated ego thing. And you see it fuck people up like where they think they're amazing and then it falls apart or you know one yeah. negative comment bursts the balloon like so i think yeah. similarly with that like you're when you're talking about being careful with what you say and not being genuine and stuff that's it's only going to lead one way like you know you're going to trip yourself up eventually in the same way whereas if you rely on the positivity all the time you're going to get tripped up eventually when something bad comes down the track like um do you find it hard then not to fangirl when like so you sat down with Matt and Tia who are like you know they'll go down in history no matter what happens unless they both get popped they'll go down in history so like well, even then they would both they would both <laughs> still go down in history just yeah, different yeah. T- different angle yeah like do you find it hard obviously you're you know you're you said that you talked for an hour and settled in and chatted and whatever relaxed and got going but do you ever find yourself like I get that so even say now with you or when I was talking to Tim or like the two like Tommy and Sean from talking elite or you know people that I've never met before or something I get these kind of moments where like there when you're talking about Greg Glassman I was like this is fucking ridiculous like Aaron Hammer is on Skype with me talking about his interview with Greg Glassman it's like I'm sitting in a fucking spare bedroom with my laptop balanced on an upside down washing basket (laughs) 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 you know like it's do you ever get those kind of moments where you're sitting down talking to someone and, you're, and you just have that nearly like existential thing where you're like, what is going on? Like, how did I get here? Like, yeah, you know, so- sometimes that happens. Um, but you, you, I don't want to say you get numb to it. Mm. It's more like you, I started understanding what that was. So I've, I've been lucky 
in that when I first started CrossFitting, I was in Los Angeles mm. and uh, this was 12 years ago, 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. So this was a long time ago. And so we knew everybody. If there was a games athlete, we'd probably met them at some point. We'd probably competed against them at some point. And so I, I kind of came of age knowing many of these people or at least being one or two degrees removed from them. And the I'll tell you I'll tell you right now, the last time that I straight up lost my shit, like fanboying over an athlete was at the 2015 CrossFit Games. I met Miko Salo. Now there's Miko right there. <laughs> literally have a poster of him hanging in my office. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for Miko, I probably wouldn't have gotten into CrossFit as much as I did. I loved CrossFit, but watching him do what he did in person at the 2009 CrossFit Games was like one of the big catalysts for mm -hmm. me to actually care about this thing a lot. So, you know, I, I, I still have that picture. It's like, it's, it's on my Instagram as well. I look like a, I look like a crazy person because I got a chance to meet and, you know, take a picture with Miko. So the yeah. last time I really fan, fan girl or fanboyed over, over an athlete. Um, over time, I've met so many of these, these athletes that really it's, it becomes a situation in which I know barring maybe like two people they're pretty much all just normal people you know they're they're just they're just normal people like they're they're just like you and me mm. right they they have the same struggles they have the same issues they have you know maybe a slightly better discipline when it comes to their you know health and nutrition and their fitness but that's fine, fine. that's that's what makes them professional athletes yeah. uh but you know i, I guess Really, it's it's there's a perspective there, which is at the end of the day, you know, I'm in my house, my wife, you know, I, I have the same relationship with my wife, you know, and the same dynamics there that other people will have with their significant others. You know, I've got dogs. They usually people have pets like there's so many things mm -hmm. that we have in common that the fact that they're, you know, the greatest CrossFitters of all time or yeah. the fact that they're making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars doing this, it really, it bears no, it has no significance within the conversation. Cause the way I try and approach it is the conversation is just person to person. Mm. Um, and I think, I think they appreciate that. I've only ever really run into one or two athletes that had a hard time wrapping their head around that. And those are people who aren't necessarily really a big part of the space anymore. You know, they, they had like, you know, they had their moment in the in the spotlight and maybe they got burned a couple times by people in the media and so they were very guarded and they were very much like okay. i'm not letting you into my space we're not friends we're not we're not acquaintances this is merely transactional ask your questions and get out of my face type thing but that's that is exceptionally rare so there that's 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 it's twice tw now once one, for sure maybe twice that's twice now in one conversation where you've mentioned apart from at the start your quote was apart from maybe two people and then just there you said like one or two people so i think i'd be a fucking idiot if i don't ask like who are the two people that are not normal the not normal people um okay so like you know the the 
the the first interaction I ever had with Camille was rough because I was at uh, I was at Invictus and I was filming uh, an open workout and she was she was doing the open workout there at the time but I guess she didn't know that I was going to be there and so like while I was filming I did what I usually do which is I I you know walked up to her and I uh, pointed the camera at her and I asked her a couple questions and she answered the question and then basically was like by the way don't talk to me again because I'm warming up I'm getting ready to do this open workout and this is I, I don't really I, I can't give you this time I'm not going to give you this time and you know like I said I, I mean it's not a personality thing since then we've had positive interactions but that was a situation in which you know I, my guess is that she's been like kind of fucked over mm. with media in the past, whether it's because she didn't set her boundaries appropriately to begin with or whether people just kind of like, you know, took advantage of the situation mm. and tried to make something out of her being there. Right. And so what she was doing there wasn't necessarily being, you know, like she wasn't being a diva. She wasn't being, you know, particularly rude. She was just very clearly setting her boundaries. Like I'm not, I'm not here to participate in your video. You know, if you want to film other people, that's their prerogative. That's that has nothing to do with me, but I'm here to do this and you're, you're not involved in it basically. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's one very specific example of that. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of questions in on, I put up and ask me, I will ask you anything thing on uh, Instagram and a couple of good questions that came in. So the first, can you answer this question? I'd be really impressed if you could answer this question in less than three words. Can anyone beat Matt Fraser? And if so, who? Realistically, no. That's what I thought you'd say. I thought well, I didn't to be honest, I didn't think the word realistically was going to be in there. I thought it was just gonna be a flat <laughs> no. I think he can be beaten. Um, he needs to have an off day though, or an off he needs three. to have like an off three days. Yeah. Yeah, he needs to have he needs to have and that's that's one of the things that Matt is good at not having is really really piss poor performances He's back so to back. Consistent, like yeah. Like so even after at the games last year, it was kind of like, oh, he could be in a bit of trouble. No, no, yeah, he's got the t-shirt back. Do you know, it's like it's right, and that was, that sense was of inevitability about it, like right. With the games last year, mathematically speaking, he he could have lost, but yeah. not because he was having a particularly bad weekend but because of the way the scoring system was built mm. so you know i think i think there are ways for him to lose but uh as long as he really wants to keep winning he's going to keep winning he, there's something very different about his his mindset uh after spending the time with him i did in cookville you know there's there's some there's like an eye of the tiger thing going on there that i don't think a lot of other people share i think the top like the podium does maybe the top five do um both across men and women with with same thing with tia there's a there's like a there's some sort of circuit that's either fucked up or it's in the right place it's either it's either like totally wrong it's like just absolutely not the way it's supposed to be or it's exactly the way it needs to be yeah and whatever it is uh they've got that you know like you see those memes of like the like the pie chart and it's like you know what i think about when i'm you know, and it's like the red is CrossFit and the blue is, you know, whatever. I feel like his is like 99.9% .9 like 
training and then the sliver that's left is like his family do you know that it's like yeah that's it's that's just what there's it... nothing else he just has no he's he seems so tunnel visioned towards like you know end of july start of august and then his wife and you know like that it just seems like his he's totally zoned in on that and nothing is going to take it away like you know he's and you kind of expect that like he if if he was in the games and someone said you know win this and never do it again or lose he'd pick win this and never do it again you know that's just he's just all or nothing like yeah i i think you're right i think if he had the opportunity if you that's a really really cool situation that you just presented i i i hope you get to ask him that question someday (laughs) because i think his answer would be very revealing because I, I think you're right. I think your intuition is right. He he would absolutely rather win and never, ever be in front of the camera ever again than lose mm. and be famous. Yeah, he I just, think, yeah. He's, yeah, I think so. I'd just take a media pass. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another good question I got was, what your most memorable CrossFit moment? So... That was how it was phrased. Now, I personally would take that as like something you witnessed. So like at the games, at regionals, at somewhere where you're just like, fuck, and you haven't forgotten it since. So I'm going to have two answers to this question. Um, The first answer is going to be the the way that that you're looking at it, which is the, the moment that sticks out to me more than any other was the first year that Tia won the games. So that was 2017. Mm. Um, The very last event had the overhead kettlebell lunges Mm. down the field. And um, it was a Fibonacci workout. And she was in the lead and was maybe five feet away from finishing and failed one rep and had to get pulled back. And Kara came up right behind her and just barely inched past her. And so it was this really big question of, man, did, did Tia take second place again three years in a row? And the, the I'll pause. never forget, yeah, I'll never forget the, the um, energy and the volume in the Coliseum. I was sitting, I, ha- I got very lucky, I had very good seats for that event. And uh, just, I had, a, I had a great sideline shot of them, you know, marching across the, the floor. And the sound of those last 30 seconds where, you know, Tia fails, Kara comes out of nowhere, just slips her up. They both finish it around the same time, both jump up onto the, the, the final, like the finishing pad. That was, uh, that will always stick with me. That was one of, that was one of the craziest in-person experiences I've ever had in terms of like a group of people. But even watching that, like I, that was, so I'm really new to CrossFit. Like I, you know, I've no people could say names to me and I'd be like, I don't know. So like my first visual experience of CrossFit was like Fittest on Earth on Netflix, where I was kind of involved in it. My wife was like, we should watch this. And then she was watching it. She was really into it. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, it seems a bit shit. Like, you know, and like back then I used to be like, ah, sure, all on steroids. Look, look at the size of them. Like, you know, it must be because I can't do it. So the only answer is steroids. So like. 
then I kind of started to be like, oh, fuck, this is actually getting kind of exciting here. Like, this girl might actually lose. <laughs> and she's like, she came second last year and she doesn't want to do that. And, you know, you get really into it. I'd say I've watched that four times and all four times I've been on the edge of my seat. Even though I fucking know what happens, I'm still like, holy shit, is she going to lose it? And it's like, wait, no, this is the same thing I watched last year. But still, it might happen this year. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really uh, exciting. That was a great, that was a really cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like, you know, my, my, most memorable or like favorite not favorite but like one of my most memorable moments as like a as a crossfitter personally um man i think so i have a trophy that's right over my left shoulder Mm -hmm. it's this silver guy uh you know it's like a running joke because i won a competition uh i won like the intermediate division of the competition um in 2000 12 or something like that uh and the joke the running joke is i'm the reigning intermediate crossfitter world champion right because there never was like another intermediate competition at that at that at that space and i'm the undefeated intermediate you know and still world champion (laughs) crossfitter and so there's a lot of there's i have a lot of really positive yeah um a lot of really positive memories memories about that not just the competition i felt really good over that competition of course like i won how do i feel bad about that um but also that was that was like a really cool moment like my wife and i had just started dating a few months before that and so she was able to come see uh she was able to come see that Uh, that was really fun um you know it's my content over the past eight or nine years like it literally is on that shelf as a joke um you know so it's just that that's a that's a really cool little moment I just uh, nearly shot my pants there. I saw my phone lit up <laughs> and like Tim Paulson. I didn't, I don't know what it is, but it came up like Trex Paulson mentioned you, uh, tagged you in a post. So I assume it's something to do the podcast. And then <laughs> I got another notification that said, no Olsen commented on your post you're tagged in. And I was like, oh, I just shit my pants a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, That's funny. Right, I want to finish on. I asked him this question at the week, uh, at the weekend, or whenever I record with him, Tuesday, um, and it's like the I just found the answer very entertaining. So, you get a phone call from Wadapalooza, and they say, "Right, we've got a ticket for a team. You and three others. Who do you pick?" And they're not allowed to say no. Do I have to follow the two men, two women rule? Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Can I, I just say... <laughs> yeah, I want frowning phrase. Like, <laughs> can I just say um, Tim Paulson's answer was possibly the most revealing of his personality type in that the first thing he said was, well, I need a guy that's roughly the same height as me for the worm. He didn't even think of like ability. He was just like, who's roughly the same height as me? And then he started going through the height of the women. And I was like, you know, you can like, it's just bizarre that he picked that was the immediate thought in his head. Like, yeah, the first people that come to mind is scales needed, not because we would win, but because we would have a great time. We would just have a really wonderful time not finishing any workouts, scaling everywhere. You'd scale as needed. Scaling every, yep, we would scale every workout. You know, Chase and I can wear wigs. We can be the chicks on the team, whatever. Yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, those are the first three that come to mind. Like, if I wanted to actually compete in it, oh, man. Surely you just sub yourself in on a team that's already... Yeah, yeah. I would 
probably just I would probably um break Scott Panchek's ankle and then <laughs> I was just about to say I would take I would take Scott's I know I would put I would grow out my hair longer and I would take Tasia's part. So <laughs> I just be like, all right, Tasia, just sit this one out. Although I can guarantee you there's no there's not a single CrossFit workout that she would lose to me in. Even Tasia Who's like, oh, she may not be as strong as me. I could probably snatch more than her. But if you do a CrossFit workout, like she did, she put a, a photo of her doing muscle ups with a GoRuck backpack because I guess that's one of the events at Wadapalooza. I was like, get out of here! This is too much fitness. What are you doing with all this fitness? Yeah, <laughs> sick. There's a guy, um, Ty uh, Carroll is go is actually going to Austin, Texas next week so one of the questions uh, that came in was from him saying like ask him can i train in his gym when i go to austin texas so expect a message from ty next week when he goes to hit me up let's do it oh. um I, I train at crossfit yakaru which is not too far from where i live so that's a that's a perfect that'd be perfect cool so if you look out your window and see a pale tall irish guy walking around looking looking confused <laughs> you'll know what's him awesome <laughs> uh, listen thanks a million i appreciate so much you giving up your time it's just been fantastic i love everything you're doing keep doing it thank you very much peter i really appreciate it man cheers this has been thanks. a lot of fun yeah top yeah. top three interviews i've ever done today, today. <laughs> <laughs>